somehow your walk with God is superior to others is the minute that you get into a place of danger in your walk with God. You've got to constantly stay in a position that says, I need him. Oh, I need him. The song says, every hour I need him. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I don't need a day-by-day walk with God. I'm crazy enough to need a moment-by-moment walk with God. See, some of y'all ain't honest enough to admit it in here, but there are things that we said we never do that we have done. There are places that we've gone that we said we never go. There are mindsets that we have embraced that we said we never embraced. But I want to thank him tonight for his grace and his mercy. The Bible says that because of the Lord's compassions, because of his mercies and his grace, they fail us not. And Jeremiah said, great. Come on in here, somebody. Is thy faithfulness. You've got to know. And this is one of the reasons. While Edmonds, that's me. I don't need somebody to tell me, praise God. When I consider where God, David, has brought me, I am my own praise team. I wake myself up in the morning. And I say, thank you, Jesus. I, I, throughout the day, look back where God brought me from. And I don't need music. I don't need a sermon. I don't need a choir. I don't need an artist. I don't need my pastor. Because I know where the Lord has brought me from. And we have to constantly stay in a mindset of awareness that we've got to have him. Well... One of the strange things about this passage is, and just know, I mean, it's weird. God had just shown himself to Moses. And Moses is like, yo, I can't do this thing. Anybody ever been there before? Can I talk to somebody here tonight? Has God ever given you a vision and the vision seemed too much for you? Guess what? Then that was a vision from God. Most of the time, people assume that what God is calling them to do is something they can accomplish in their own strength. Guess what? It ain't God if you can do it. If, if you got money for it, it ain't God. If you got all the connections for it, you don't, you don't need God. If, if, you got edu- if you're educated enough for it, you don't need God. I've come to discover that anytime God gives a vision, that the vision we know is from God, when God calls us, thank you, Jesus, when God calls us to accomplish things that are beyond us. Somebody shout in here that it's bigger than me. Oh, come on in here. Somebody say it's bigger than me. In other words, I don't want a good idea for my life. I want a God idea. And the vision of God for Moses was, listen, man, you're 80 years old. That's a word for somebody here tonight. All my folk that climbed up in years, guess what? You still have purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, God God never relinquishes purpose, Percy Wood, simply because we get older. Or because something happened. Or if we sin. God never aborts his plan for us. We simply choose not to accept the plan. But I got news for you today. God is so, he is so uh, persistent in his desire to get us where we need to be. That he will keep coming after us. Can I get a witness in here? How many, how, many got, how many have been in places where you got tired of God bothering you? You got tired of the Holy Ghost telling you you can do that thing. You got tired of the push of people in your life that were full of God, trying to push you to the things of God. But know that your God is so resilient to see you become everything he wants you to become that he will not give up on you. Well, Moses' first thing was, I'm not eloquent. Uh, then he said, uh, the people won't listen to me. 
And then he just came up with a bunch of excuses. After a while, the Bible says that God got angry with him and said, shut up. And then he said, well, well, okay, well, well who am I going to tell him uh, sent me? God said, now, this is the only time in Scripture that this phrase is used. But I like it. He says, I am that I am, right? Yeah, but you know what it really says is, I will be what I will be. Now, notice what you just heard there. That should have caused somebody to get excited about God. God is simply saying to Moses, look, I know you're tripping and you're fearful about where I'm taking you. But understand this, that I'm going to be tomorrow what you need to be. And I'm going to be in the week after that what you need me to be. What I simply need you to do is just follow my instructions. So I got a definition tonight. Can I give a quick definition? And 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 it took some time for me to evolve in this thing, uh, BJ. Purpose is obedience. Does that work? Purpose is obeying God. A lot of us assume that there's this grand plan for my life somewhere down the road. You won't even get there. If you don't obey God right now, everybody's always talking about, I mean, I'm good with the whole destiny talk. I'm, I'm going to pursue my destiny. You will get killed by God before you get there if you don't obey. Oh, come on in here, somebody. What happened? And I, look, I'm all good on vision. I believe that we should look, to, look, look, look forward. I believe we should plan ahead. But you will never get ahead while you are compromising on word from God right now. And this is what happened to Moses, if I might just explain this to you. The Bible gives him this large vision. You're going to deliver God's people. And then God reveals himself as the God who will be whatever he needs him to be. The Bible says as Moses starts packing up his family. He has two sons and a wife, Zipporah. Gershom and Eleazar. Are you all ready for this? Let me blow your mind. The Bible says he packs them up, puts them on his donkey, and then they start heading for the purpose of God. While he's going there. The Bible says God shows up, confronts him, and says, I'm about to kill you right now. Oh, come on in here, somebody. Oh, we don't like that God, do we? <laughs> he, no, this, not the devil. I love for any anytime people get opposition, they always blame stuff on the devil. Oh, man, the enemy, he's at work. He's trying to keep me from moving ahead. Some, some, a lot of times, not something, a lot of times, it's God. Oh, yes, it is. You see, understand this. See, a lot of the setbacks and obstacles that we face in our life are really God's opportunity to try to change some stuff in us. See, many of us are not ready to go where God is trying to take us because we have not overcome the little stuff in our lives that could clip us up when we get there. Oh, come on in here, somebody. And so here it is. Homeboy is pursuing his mission. And I want to talk to us parents here tonight and those of us who have children. If you would just please hear the burden of this preacher to hear tonight. Many of us are pursuing goals, pursuing relationships. We are pursuing careers. Uh, we done moved up now. Come on, say amen. Uh, this ain't the 60s anymore. We have opportunities now that have afforded us that we've never had before. We have money now that we've never had before. And I know we feel like we're broke, but let's be honest. We are not as poor as our parents were. There are many of us who are on the system who make more money. Come on in here, somebody. <laughs> than our parents made. And so we have walked into a season where people are trying to get ahead in life. Money is the driver of today. 
And, and the word that the Lord gave me to share with you tonight is, is that there are many of us who are trying to pursue purpose or trying to pursue advancement. And God is not pleased with your pursuit because you have not obeyed him in areas of your life that he spoke you to. He says, yeah, I called you, but I'm, 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 not, I'm not cool with this stuff in your life. And, and I don't mind aborting the mission because you won't deal with the stuff I told you to do. Can I talk to somebody in here tonight that's serious about the plan of God for their life? I, I thank God. Now, now, let's just pause for a minute and just deal with the mercy of God. At least God confronted him. One of the worst kind of friends you can have is the one that stands around you, looks at your flaws, looks at the stuff that's wrong with you, and won't say nothing. They let you be messy. They let you be a lie. They let you act crazy. They let you cut a fool. But the good thing about God, he sticks, he st- he, he sticks closer uh, than a brother, does he not? And one of the things I like about God is that God will come to me and say, Myron, you're wrong. One of, I appreciate that about my God. He could kill me if he wanted to, but at least he confronts me and says, you need to fix that, boy. You need to apologize in this area. You need to repent of this sin. You need to deal with your lust. You need to deal with your attitude. You need to deal with your unforgiveness. I'm going to thank him tonight that he does not just let me walk around spiritually uncovered, but we serve a God that's willing to get in our stuff. Is there anybody mature enough that's willing to praise God that he will get in your mess that he'll tell you what you need to know so that you can become who you need to become let's face it we hate truth come on now I'm not coming am I by myself in here we don't like to hear the real story but notice what God does God comes to Moses and and whatever it was and we'll find out in a minute it was so serious Now, come on, y'all. The scripture says that God said, now this is the great Moses. God said, I'm about to kill him. Now, can I tell you what was over? Are y'all ready for this? Why? Like, right, why? Well, what's that deep? Well, we see at the end of the text that his wife took out a knife and circumcised his son. Right? Right? And then the Bible says, then God let him go. Okay, did y'all get it? Did you get it? I'm saying all that to say this. Oh, I'm here now. Oh, I'm comfortable right where I am. The Bible says he's on his way to fulfill God's purpose. Please stay here. As he's on his way, God says, hold on now. I just called him, but I'm going to have to kill him. I'm not, this is not figurative. This is not a spiritual killing. The Hebrew says, he, he, I mean, the picture is given of God with his hand over his neck about to kill him. The Bible says that Moses was so preoccupied with about to get killed by God <laughs> that his wife had to take the knife and circumcise his son. So we see here that Moses did not obey God in the command to circumcise his son. But I know y'all want to talk about circumcision tonight, but I'm not going to do it, okay? Okay, that was a joke. Yeah, I know you don't want to talk about circumcision. It's really not about circumcision, but most of us know circumcision was a sign of covenant. It was much like baptism is today. It was a spiritual decision. 
watch this now, that the parents made for the children to simply identify the children as belonging to God. Can I get somebody to just look at me for a minute? Here we go. Can I, can I, can I go here now? Here's what the Lord gave me to share with you tonight. I, I hear God saying to us right now that there are many of us that God is ready to cut down because we are trying to move ahead in things in our lives, in relationships, in, in, in our pursuit of our dreams, in, in the pursuit of our ambitions, in the pursuit of our careers, in, in the pursuit of our lives, whatever your life is. And, and this is not for everybody, but you got to hear this now. And God is saying, I've got a problem with you trying to get ahead, even for the things that I called you to, because you have disobeyed me in the area of spiritually preparing your family. That's it. That's all I got. Now check this out. God was about to kill Moses because Moses had simply disobeyed God in circumcising his son, which represents spiritual preparation for his child. God says, I'm willing to shut the whole program down now. Choose somebody else because I don't want people making it without their kids. And I'm not talking about financial stuff. I know what I'm talking about tonight. We have, studies say, the most intellectually prowess generation of all time. In other words, this generation of generation X and Y has produced more geniuses than any other generation in Earth's history. But the studies also show that our children, come on, talk to me in here tonight. We have produced more emotionally unstable children in Earth's history. We're at a point now where Jobs would rather hire somebody who has emotional stableness than hire somebody who went to Harvard. Because if you can have a kid walk inside a movie theater who is a PhD student and blow the brains away of 12 people and shoot 50 others, then people are saying now, it doesn't matter what school they went to. It doesn't matter what their grades are like. It doesn't matter who their mama is. It doesn't matter if they go to church. See, right now, the crisis is so bad because our children are growing up in the families of professed Christians, but they're leaving God. Now, y'all church folk, ignore me for a second, but I got this is my horse and I'm about to ride it. I cannot figure out. Help me. Well, I figured it out. Why is it that church folks, kids are leaving the church? I know why now. I figured it out. Because there's something wrong with the folks that raised them. See, the assumption is, is that these kids are so bad because they've chosen their own way. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that every parent that has a child that has gone out and done whatever they wanted to do is a, is a bad parent. Understand what I'm saying here. But this thing is epidemic now. The studies are showing that out of 10 kids, six of them will leave the church by the time they are in 12th grade and that eight of them will leave by the time they get to their second year in college. And this is what the Lord made made very clear to me. He says they're not leaving God. They're leaving their upbringing. There is a difference between. I'll make sure my language is, is appropriate. There is a difference between the junk that we call religion 
and the ideal of the Bible that we call a relationship. And we have simply outsourced our spiritual responsibility to the church and we send them there and we hope that if they're in the choir, they'll know God. If they're, if they're on the uh, junior usher board, they'll know God. But, but I, I read somewhere, and I think it was the Bible, where the first responsibility of an adult who has kids around them is to teach them about God. In other words, it's not my job or the youth pastor's job to teach the children about God. And I agree with you, Pastor. We don't need any legislation that says we need to start praying in schools. How many know if we start praying at home? How many know if we start laying on hands at home? How many know if we start slinging oil at home? Then when our kids hit the school, that we wouldn't have the kind of craziness that we're having in our community. Let's take responsibility tonight and let's admit like Moses did that we have forgotten some important things. Dude, this is Moses, God. This is Moses. This guy is your guy. I don't care. Why, God? Because he didn't spiritually prepare his children. I'm going to kill him. Hold on, God. You don't understand. This is the guy you're going to use to part the Red Sea. If there's anybody you should give preference to, it should be Moses. God says there's no respect of persons here. I, I care so much about kids. And y'all remember Matthew 18? Matthew 18 says that if any one of you leads one of these children astray, it would be better for a millstone to be hung around your neck and for you to be cast in the depths of the sea. Understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying that God don't care about old folk. But I am saying this, that he really cares about young folk. If you want to destroy a society, oh, destroy them while they're small. That's why one out of four kids is, is sexually molested by somebody they love. And, and a lot of times, it's church folk. Church folk, 70% of our homes are single-parent homes run by mothers, and fathers are not around. That ain't the world. That's in the church. Divorce. Amen. The statistics are higher in the church for divorce than it is in the world. I don't know about you, but I think it's an epidemic. So there is a solution from scripture. Here it is. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6. It says, love the Lord your God. Watch this now. With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your mind. With all your strength. Amen. And then it says... And impress this upon your children. Then it says, talk about it when you lie down and when you get up. And it says, also when you walk beside the wayside. I got three points for you tonight, real quick. How do we turn around this thing with our kids? The first thing God says is, love God. Oh, Y'all missed that. Love God, not religion. Love God, not your denomination. Love God, not your seat in church. Love God. You see, because the next step is the most crucial step. See, if you're in love with God, and I don't know if I have anybody in here tonight that, that has come to a place where you're just in love with Jesus. I mean, even some brothers who ain't ashamed to say, I'm in love with him. I mean, God is just, when you see him as he is, you can't help but love him. 
When you have been in moments with him, when he has done stuff for you that you know you didn't deserve, then you can say, I love him with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my soul. Have you been in an experience in this lifetime where it was more than what somebody told you, but you actually experienced the hand of God in your life? I can't, I can't find any more flowery words to express this thing. I want to know tonight, are there anybody in here that, that has been with God? You have seen him in the fullness of his love and his kindness. And he has so shaken you in that revelation that you can't get enough of him. You are so full of God and his love that you can't shut up about him. You are so consumed about his goodness in your life that you can't help but praise him. You are so grateful for the things that he's done in your life that you can't help but talk about him. You don't need to put on a front. It's not what you wear. It's not what you say. It's how you know what you feel when you felt when he wrapped his loving arms around you. Because you may not know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. But I know that I got some folk in here tonight that have been with Jesus. Jesus has pulled you out of some stuff. He delivered you from drugs. He pulled you out of the whorehouse. He set you free from your sins. And you have come to a place where you love him. Have I got any lovers in here tonight? You love Jesus with all your heart. You love him with all your soul. You love him with all your might. You love him with all your strength. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. I thank God tonight. He loves me. Did you hear what I said? He loves you. Have you experienced his love? And notice, and notice now. And notice, notice what happens next. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, parents and adults. It says, because you love God and his heart love. <laughs> It says, then impress it upon your children. The word impress simply means to inspire. See, here's the problem. We've been trying too hard to instruct our children. But we have not inspired them. Oh, come on in here. And I have used this illustration over and over again. But y'all know I'm trying to do this insanity thing, right? I'm trying. Oh, I'm trying. I missed today, but I'm trying. Come on, say amen. I cut some of the videos short, but I'm trying. Come on, say amen. I confess it. I admit it. I know I made myself look better than I was, but I admit it. I'm trying. But I'm telling you, as I've watched that video, 
what encourages me to go forward is when I see people going forward. And see, here's the thing. We have not done a good job of explaining. Hear me right now. We have not done a good job of personally explaining to our children what God has done in our lives. See, people will not follow you because of your information. People will not follow God because of facts. People follow God because they're inspired. In other words, I want my kids to look at my life and say, I don't know everything that he believes. I don't understand all the doctrine that he teaches. I don't understand all the books that he reads. But there's something about my daddy and his relationship with God. There's something real about his walk with God. I saw people mistreat him, but he does not talk about him at home. I, I, see, I see how he is faced with obstacles, but, but he keeps on praying. I, I hear him apologize to me when he has done me wrong because I see something real in my daddy. And, and whoever he serves, if it's Jehovah, I'll serve him. If it's Jehovah provide, I'll serve him. If it's the I am, I'll serve him. But I just want to have the God that he has because there's something about my daddy's relationship with God that makes me want to have it. We're boring. I don't care if you're mad. You think going to church, going home, talking about people, going to church, going home, being negative, going to church, going home, not doing anything, going to church, going home, never leading anybody to Christ, going to church, going home is going to motivate somebody. Ah, I got a news for you today. Our children want to see living, active power in our lives. Oh, I'm talking about Holy Ghost power in here. They want to see that something is real about God. And when they see that, it will be impressed upon them. And then notice, notice the next step. The Bible says, love God. Inspire them. It says, then talk. Oh, y'all get that? You don't got to do a lot of talking if you're doing a lot of loving and inspiring. Oh, come on in here. Oh, please help me to preach this thing to somebody tonight, Holy Spirit. Most of us spend the majority of our time giving speeches. I was talking to my kids the other day, and I was just belaboring them with a dissertation. My wife was like, shut up. Just do, just do what you're supposed to do. See, we think that giving lectures and speeches is going to convert hearts. But when you've been loving God, when you are on fire for God, when you are passionate about your walk with God, then you don't have to do a lot of talking because your life does the talking. But when you're compromising and you're mean and you're messy and you keep up stuff, go over here now when you got uncles coming in and out of the house somebody caught that and aunties coming in and out of the house oh come on in here somebody when you ain't doing nothing with your life one of, one of the things I discovered was I graduated from college you know why without any effort because my parents did it was just walked out before me. When you set an expectation for your child, your child is going to reach the expectation. 
The problem is, is many of us are setting the expectations too low. We just want our kids to be nice and kind and respectful to people that are nice and kind and respectful to them. But we don't want to raise kids that make a difference, that are significant, that are filled with power, that know how to stand, that know how to be leaders. Because you cannot take somebody where you have not gone. So this is what happened to Moses. I love this. The Bible says that God is about to kill him. You're trying to do too much and your kids don't know me. The Bible says his wife takes out a knife and does what she's supposed to do. Blood was everywhere. She took the blood and then she applied it to Moses. Oh, help me, Lord. Um, Anybody in here haven't done it the right way all the time? Can I tell you something? That the blood still has miraculous power. (laughs) What set Moses free was the application of the blood. His wife had to take out a weapon, y'all not hearing me now, and declare war on her son's flesh so that blood could be poured in her situation. Ah, I just want somebody to understand that this battle for your family is a battle and you've got to have an attitude of warfare that you're not going to just stand around and hope that your children know God hope that your husband comes home but you've got to get in the spirit and you've got to believe God with radical faith the Bible says that the violent take it by force and the more you've been beat up by that old liar the devil the more attitudes you get is there anybody in here tonight that's sick and tired of the enemy's tricks and of his moves and the destruction that he's causing in our families my parents were married for 38 years and they're divorced and I don't know about you but I'm mad I'm mad as hell. I'm mad at Satan and I'm tired of him breaking up families. I'm tired of our children losing their way. I'm tired of them losing their identity. I'm tired of them selling them souls to the devil. But you have to get to a point where you say enough is enough. I will not sit by and just get beat up on without hitting any blows. You're going to pull out your weapon. Your weapon is the word of God. And you stand on the word of God. Anybody got any children out there that you're praying for? Then you ought to stand to your feet and believe God tonight that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what you can ask or think. You have to look the devil in the eye and say, devil, I've been in hell once. I'm not going again. I stand for my family. For God, I'll live. And for God, I'll die. I have given to them a legacy of pain. I 
passed down to them junk in my life. But I cannot fight flesh with flesh. I got to fight flesh with the spirit. How many have learned to cry out to God and pray around your house and pray in your bathroom and go in your kid's bedroom and take out the oil of God and pray over your children and pray over your marriage and you can't stand back and just let him do what he wants but you gotta take it by force can I get somebody in here to just lift their hands and thank God in advance for what he's going to do you're not waiting on God because you know he's already worked it out do we have any believers in here that have learned to trust him that have learned to trust him when you can't trace him that have learned to depend on him is the Lord able will he make a way will he change lives did he change your life have I got somebody in here that used to be down and out but the Lord pulled you out when you got a story to tell and the first person you should tell it to is your children say Johnny I ain't always been right but Jesus came into my life and I want you to know that he's real that he's powerful that he's merciful that he's kind that he's loving that he's a forgiving God that he's long suffering that he puts up with my mess and the thing that he did for me he will do for you somebody give the Lord praise 